Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of Masters of Our Domain, a podcast which is allegedly about Seinfeld. I'm Milo Edwards, someone who's never seen Seinfeld. I'm joined as ever by my co-host, Phoebe Roy. Hello. That is all she ever says. Uh, and this week we are joined by a, a special guest, um, all the way, all the way from uh, the United States of America. It is a medieval historian. Is that is that the correct terminology? Sure. Yeah, we'll go. Yeah. We'll go with medieval. I would say ge- generally old shit. Um, <laughs> a, a scholar of old shit, various old shit scholar of varying of ages. Shit. Are you not a late yeah. antique historian? I thought you were. I, so I was. A, I'm a late antique. They they did not have a late antiquity program. Uh, at my university. So I was technically a medieval historian, even though I did late antiquity. Um, mm. So just to make things just to make things as weird and, and awkward as humanly possible. Yeah, the Seinfeld period. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, <laughs> well, that's why bad. they call it the Dark Ages, because it was the age when everything was awkward. Everything was that's a bit. That's right, isn't it, Patrick? That's why they that's, call it the that's Dark Ages. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, it's Patrick Wyman. <laughs> um, our friend and yours. Um, and you can't you can't see this, but you'll be pleased to know that Patrick Wyman is wearing a beater. Um, Absolutely, so, uh, yeah. yeah. That's what we like to see on this show. We do. Um, oh, I was going to say something about being a, la- a late antique historian, which is that um, my my director of studies at, at Cambridge was uh, a, a a historian. He was a classicist, but he was particularly a historian of the Byzantine Empire, and in particular um, uh, sundials. He was really into sundials, like he was <laughs> like ancient methods of making sundials. He made his own sundials. That's sundials are sick. Mm-hmm. He made his own sundials. I want to oh, yeah. make my own sundials. And he used to put coded references to himself in the designs of the sundials. Oh yeah, like like you know like cool nerds. Like he was a cool nerd. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but uh, he had done a PhD at Oxford, and I think this is the most Oxford thing of all, which is that um, uh, because they. Uh, because of like the definitions of their of their different departments, they didn't sit consider the Byzantine period to be classical, and so they gave him a PhD in modern history. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Byzantine, Oxford, like the Byzantine Empire. That's recent. Sorry, Byzantine is modern history. It's like uh, Byzantine Hitler. That's pretty much the course of history. <laughs> that yeah, was the- correct. Mm. There's an, an insurmountable gap between the seventh century and the sixth, but not between the seventh century and the twentieth. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's, yeah. That's how that's how I've always looked at it. Thank you very much for that incredibly relatable story, Milo. Yeah. Humanity has been in decline since the Byzantine Empire. That's the position of Oxford University. <laughs> you got, any, got any chat about what was subfusk? Are I didn't little, go to Oxford. Let me let me just say or... no, but that's an Oxford thing. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. No, Not you're right. No, oh, no, no, you're, Oxford, no, 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 you're right. Um, I went to Doxbridge. <laughs> thank you very much. You're um, right, you're right. Ca- uh, Cambridge is uh, much, much cooler and definitely doesn't have any of its own ridiculous traditions. I can't comment on Cambridge, but I know that certainly Durham is much, much cooler. Okay, yeah, no um, one cares. No, 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 <laughs> seriously, no one fucking cares. No one fucking cares. We are here. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Seinfeld. We are here. We are not here to talk about, uh, to listen no. to Milo defend where he went to university. Mm. We, are, we are here to I won't talk do it. about Seinfeld season three. Mm. Episode twenty-two, mm-hmm. the parking space. The parking space. I'm just going to say up top that this is the most I've ever emphasised with um, George Costanza. Oh yeah, George is not wrong. George is not wrong one single time in this entire episode. Mm. George is absolutely just living my life during this episode. Like this is one hundred percent what I do every day of the goddamn week. Do you know how many times I like nearly wrote just the words Milo in capital letters on these, <laughs> on these notes? <laughs> it was a number of occasions. It's been uh, it, it's probably been a decade since I've watched Seinfeld, 
and I had forgotten how a how much I enjoyed it and b how completely prescient it is for understanding this particular moment in time mm. that like mm. it's that it really predicted the kind of um like black pill denialism of the 21st century in ways that I, I had not I had not fully appreciated before absolutely. this point. Mm. Absolutely. It gave birth to it. There would be no black pill without Seinfeld. That's which right. is a large claim. But one yeah. one I'm willing to stand by. Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> invented the black pill. Yeah, there's like there was the red pill and the blue pill, but if you took the black pill, you just got to find out how wavy and poof on the shirt could get. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You take the red pill, you wake up in like the goo and in your bald and you've got stuff like sticking into yeah. your back. You take the black wake pill, up in you years wake of up your in, own cum that's you, accumulated in yeah, the pod. No, we've done this before and yeah. it, it didn't get it wasn't less disgusting last time. Mm. You take the black pill and you wake up in Jerry Seinfeld's apartment. Yeah. His Euclidianly impossible apartment. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I'm okay, glad I've just got to laugh at that. Yeah, no, that no, we've got, we've, we've, we've got that figured out. We've we've dealt. Yeah. Uh, I I did also recently just rewatch The Matrix, and I had forgotten about the just huge amounts of semen involved there. Mm. It's not semen. It's that's just what goo. the machines are harvesting. It's come. No, it isn't. They just love nut, and only humans can produce it. <laughs> I mean, good luck. Uh, good luck automating that process. <clears throat> right. The Chinese <laughs> tried it with the dick sucking robot, but it just hasn't. You know, Mark's failed to predict. Yeah, the, the dick sucking robot will become so expensive to produce that the capitalist economy will collapse. Uh, that it's the Ouroboros of uh, of capitalism is trying to fund the dick sucking robot. Yeah, yeah, the dick sucking robot is the tendency of the rate of profit to fall. Um, well, there's a philosophical paradox. Uh, so. Right, because if you mm-hmm. if you have not been working to develop the dick sucking robot, yeah. then the dick sucking robots in the future will know that you have not been working to develop them and will take revenge on you. Yeah, it's it's uh-huh. Roko's dick sucking robot. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah, cool. Okay, cool. well, so we open with a bit, which, um, <laughs> which is uh, it's really weird. It's actually about Roko's dick sucking robot, which again, oh, very prescient. It's about the Rococo dick-sucking robot, which is a kind of primitive 19th century attempt. Yeah, and it's yeah. gold. It's Steam-powered. It's covered in gold. Yeah. It's so nice. It's mm. so pretty. Yeah. There's a, there's a manservant peddling it at the back. Yes. Yeah. That's right. You have so, to lube it with, like, whale blubber. So the first, the first bit is yet another one of uh one for uh jerry's customer service complaints corner oh yeah it's not a bit as such he's complaining about the fact that there are now special spaces in parking lots for compact cars and he says that's discrimination over the size of your car he says that Mm. to, to great rapture from the audience who agree that it is discrimination about the size of their car it's also what americans call a compact car is what europeans call a car yeah that's like if true. it's less than eighteen feet long, it's a compact car. Yeah. yeah, especially this is this is one of those things that's hard to picture in the twenty first in, in in the year of our Lord twenty twenty one. But mm. just how fucking enormous cars were in nineteen ninety two, like yeah, that like just in your average American in nineteen ninety two drove a car that today would be would there's not a parking space 
laid out now that would fit it. I mean, it's like the mm. like like trucks have gotten bigger, but cars have gotten substantially smaller. And mm. now anybody who would have been driving um, like a Crown Victoria uh, is driving an, a Ford mm. F one fifty that is no different in size. Yeah. So there's a guy actually in our office car park who I quite often have to park next to. So I'm living out Jerry Seinfeld's life. Who has bought? I think this man might be in the Turkish mafia. He has a lot of extremely expensive cars and ostensibly runs a Turkish restaurant. Mm -hmm. It strikes me as the Turkish restaurant game might be lucrative, but it is probably not as lucrative as this. Um, uh, he's got uh, he's got a brand new Range Rover. He's got a '90s very nice Mercedes SL Coupe. Uh, he's got um, a fucking uh, some sort of other BMW convertible, and he has a um, this. <laughs> Lincoln Continental Coupe. I reckon it looks like early 80s. This thing is the longest car I've ever seen in my fucking life. Like, it doesn't fit in any of the spaces, and the parking spaces are quite generous. Like, it literally it extends, like, half again out of the parking space at the back. Um, so, and, yeah. I, I used to... I, I worked at a grocery store when I was, like, 17, and uh, there was a clerk there named Frankie, Mm -hmm. uh, who who drove exactly one of those Lincoln Continentals, and she was she bought she replaced her older one with with a newer one. She was asked why she did this, and she says, "I like a nice ride." That was the whole <laughs> that that was her whole explanation. Is like not why the Lincoln. It could have been a Cadillac. It could have been anything. It's like that for her. That for her was the definition of a nice ride. Mm. I like That's that. Our favorite president. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she she smoked at least a pack of cigarettes over the course of an eight hour shift, at least one, and usually more than that. It was incredible. It was amazing mm -hmm. she ever got any work done. You have to be constantly smoking cigarettes in that car; it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. That's like sure. a rule. Mm. Yes, yeah. it, it is. Uh, it, it's powered by Virginia Slims. <laughs> one of my one of my friends used to have like used mm -hmm. to have this car that was like given to him by a like. You know, one of those like slightly mental friends of the family that you always have. That there's yeah. always just like, and they they're always called like you know uncle something or other, and they're always completely off their fucking tree, and they're sure. always like trying to hand over like really kind of bizarre bits of ephemera. And this guy, and this guy, and uh, this guy's friend of mine, an ephemera file. Yes, that's right. Um, which isn't actually an okay thing to be. So. Yeah. It's very, very different from anything unless you're else. Particularly unless which the you ephemera you're into is the uh, the ephemeral youth of young boys. <laughs> unless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's suboptimal. Yeah. Um and yeah, and this like like crazy fa like fr like family friend, like kind of Uncle Tim or whatever, uh mm. gave him this car, which was the longest car I've ever seen in this country. Like maybe not long for an American car. Mm. But it was, but it also had a hexagonal drive, like an ex uh, excuse me, a hexagonal steering wheel. Excuse me. And he was just like, yeah, yeah, of course I want drive the car. Drive the Euclid car. It's Embrace like, tradition. It's like the DeLorean, and I was like, how are you gonna drive it? That thing's not gonna, isn't it gonna get stuck on every corner? And he said. Well, I just have to just never get myself into a situation where I'm having to use the whole range of the steering wheel. And I was like, how are you going to park? And he said, I'll park head first. Which is ah. what made me think of it. And I was like, well, you're going to park this ridiculous DeLorean thing head first every place you go. Pretty sure if it was hexagonal, you'd be able to turn it through the full motion of the wheel. It would just be annoying. No, it was like, because 
Ah, so you'd think. If it had like got a kind of like segments cut out, then you'd be able to put your kind of like place your hand like through the segment and kind of do it like that. But but mm-hmm. they they weren't quite big enough to do that. The segments were re- the cutout segments were really small. So if you put it on your ha- like put your hand in the middle and try to just like just like turn it all the way round, like your hand would just slip off it because the surface was too large. Mm. It was a really badly designed car. Fantastic. Anyway, yeah. And this actually went into production. This wasn't just like somebody's fever dream. Like they they made this thing. Yeah. And I have never seen another car with this weird affliction. Mm. And well, maybe I mean, like- Tesla are putting a fucking yoke on their cars, aren't they? Which is insane because it implies they've never. What, you like, know, like the kind oxen? of steering wheels they have in that. <laughs> no, not that kind of it. Like the kind of yoke they have in a, in a plane. You know, like where it's like a, it's like a steering system that's like rectangular. The kind that they have in Formula One cars. Because in a Formula One car, you never need to turn more than like 90 degrees. It looks like a really stupid video game controller. Okay, yeah, no. Fine. Now I know what you mean. And that means if you have to park anything, yeah, Yeah. you're not going to be able, it's going to be so annoying to turn it through its full range of motion because it's got fucking corners. Yeah, so that I think their their intention there is probably just like, well, the onboard computer system will park the car for you, except... Um, when that thing inevitably goes down with its weekly software glitch, you will be unable to park your $100,000 electric car. Oh, no, because mm. what will happen is a little voice will say, do you want to park your $100,000 electric car? And you'll say yes. And what you don't realize is that's like a kind of subscriber bolt-on extra, and it will charge <laughs> $20,000 to your credit card to park the car. Yeah, it's uh, mm. it's parking your parking your car as subscription service. Yeah, no, I love Philippe it. I love it. Up and he's like, it looks like you're trying to park your $100,000 electric car. <laughs> Would you like some help with that? Uh, I mean, as long as it's speaking in Elon Musk's voice, I mean, could you turn that down? You're like, <laughs> not a chance. Uh, hi, it seems like you're trying to park your hundred thousand dollar electric car that you bought from me, Elon Musk. That's not what Elon Musk sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> it's a subtle. It's a subtle one, Musk. It's hard it's, to do. It's, okay. It's not it, that's not close enough to to memory to dredging up memories of apartheid. I think that's mm. the real problem with that accent. Oh, okay. All right, we'll get there. Yeah, you got to make it we'll a go bit go more Jerk van der Klerk Yeah, you got to make it a bit more emerald Would you like mining. You to buy a Tesla. <laughs> it's there not what he sounds like, but it's more fun. Yeah, no. Well, you're you're getting closer to it though. It's cuz it's not just about the accent. It's really about the vibe. Yeah. And and the vibe is very much like, yeah, I'd hire a private mercenary army to go into Angola. Yeah. Like that's that's the vibe you're looking for with Absolutely. an Elon Musk voice. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The Angolan government's been very resistant to electrification. I, I like the, I like the idea as well that like Elon Musk is functioning as like a kind of cold calling salesman for Tesla. He's just like calling people up like I've got a mm. good lead. Do you want to buy a Tesla? Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you the prices of these are going to go up. You should get in on this the ground floor. This is a special floor. deal that I'm doing mm. just for you. This is not pyramid selling. It's how he met Grimes. Mm. <laughs> he was trying to sell her a rooftop solar array. Yeah, <laughs> he was phoning Canada. He was trying to sign her. He's trying to sign her up for the uh, parking subscription service. Mm. Uh, <laughs> mm. He ended up every signing up in... for a piece of her ass. Uh, yeah, that's right. Phoning every number in Canada, trying to get through to Justin Trudeau. Accidentally <laughs> get Grimes. Is um, Grimes Canadian? I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. She gets money from the Canadian government. What for? For CanCon. Because you know the Canadian government, if you're like a Canadian person in the arts, they just like give you a stipend. 
because that because Canada has like amazing like small man syndrome where like they have to like they're like we gotta we gotta get more Canadians out there in the arts, um, uh, and so even Canadians who are already famous they're like eligible for this. So, I mean, I don't know that she actually claims it. So but, wait, like, what? So the two things that the Canadian government gives money to are famous rich like recording artists just and funding Brian Adams funneling money directly funneling money Adams. directly to Brian Adams which to be fair handshake meme between the Canadian government and me because I fucking love Brian Adams and commemorating collaborators with the Waffen SS those are the two things that the Canadian mm. government gives money to yeah cool it would be an awkward drinks party what with Grimes I'm not sure Grimes and the Waffen SS <laughs> Grimes people Grimes and the Waffen SS <laughs> <laughs> oh my god ah, ah. I see that you're also dressed entirely in black <laughs> I just think we've just got to love everyone and, uh, yeah. Mm. Anyway, so mindful of is time. He, is the he bit, hot or? <laughs> the bit concludes with Jerry saying that you're allowed to have your ass hanging out of your pants these days. Why not your car hanging out the back of a parking space? Which I think is an amazing bit of incredibly 90s stand-up comedy. Mm. Yeah. The kids these days. Yeah, that that was a that was a major concern in the '90s was the amount of ass that people were allowed to show hanging out of their pants. Mm. Like that's that is a that is an artifact of the yeah. age. And now we've kind of come to terms with it. We have we have come to accept a wide range of ass hanging, yeah. but but that was not the case. Mm. Jerry Seinfeld no. asks the perennial question: What are you going to do with all that junk? Mm. All that junk inside your trunk. And in his case, it literally is inside the inside trunk. Inside the trunk, because he's talking car. about the car. Yeah. yeah. And it's revealed that Jerry's driving a, a BMW 3 Series Saloon, which I think would be considered in American terms a compact car. Um, so I don't even know what the whole bit is about, really. Well, he's going to get his car calipers out. The car, car phrenology. That's <laughs> yeah. what it's time for. Car phrenology. Right, should we get into the plot? We'll get into the plot of the episode. So we open in Jerry's apartment. Mm-hmm. Kramer shows up as he's wont to do. You've just taken the black pill. You're in Jerry's apartment. You're in, you've taken the black pill. You're in Jerry's apartment. Kramer has shown up and he tells Jerry that his car's been stolen again. Mm. Uh, he Jerry says, no, 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 don't worry. I know where it is. And then he refuses to say. And Kramer goes out of his mind and really, really wants to know and ends up begging Jerry to tell him where his car mm. is. And Jerry reveals that Elaine and George have got have taken the car and gone to the flea market. Kramer is very, very upset that they didn't invite him. Classic. Classic. Yeah, he loves flea markets. He does love flea markets. And George has been established in the law of this program. To not know what a flea market is. To not is. know what a flea market is. So why he's suddenly going to flea markets willy-nilly, I think is... After having it explained to him, he's like, well, i got to go. Got to check this out. I don't think... I don't, it doesn't seem like a very Costanza venue. I don't know. Do you reckon he's still in love with Elaine? He's just going because Elaine wants to go? Oh, maybe. That's a possibility. Who wouldn't be in love with Elaine? Be in love with Elaine. It's true. It's true. Discuss true. this at length on this show. Ju- Julia Louis-Dreyfus still got it today. Had oh, it yeah. then. Oh, yeah. I mean, really, really, like, just uh, just an extraordinary human being. Uh, oh, yeah. And I, w- I was reminded, <clears throat> watching this episode, at how good she is at being despicable, which is an incredibly difficult talent to have, like, mm-hmm. just to, to be be horrible, but likably horrible. Like, oh, that's, yeah. that's not easy to do. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, there's, there's no context of, of Elaine's range of character in this show, which is not sexy somehow. 
Oh yeah, I think that's true. Because this is interesting. We had a lengthy discussion about the time she just went milk, <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and how it had no right to be as sexy as it was. Cookies, cookies. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah, it's something that was like that seemed to be like very peculiarly designed mm. just to upset Milo very specifically. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's interesting because I've been um, I've been rewatching from the start. Um, it's always sunny recently. Mm-hmm. And as as great as I think it is, and as much as I love it, they've never hit on likably despicable. Mm. They're all just despicable. And that's like, that's fine. It's funny. And they, it means they can get into lots of situations where they can demonstrate their despicableness, but they never manage to hit on the Elaine Costanza sweet spot of despicable mm. but likable. Yeah. Because Costanza's always right. Costanza, okay. Costanza is right more often than he is not. Mm. Yeah, but but this is the but this is the central problem with George Costanza and and something I've been thinking about a lot lately is just like just because you're right about something you don't get to say it. Sometimes you just got to be. Sometimes being right about something you just got you just got to let it go. And George can never do that. Ooh. That's the oh no 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 you have to say it. If you know you're right, you've got to say it. <laughs> Absolutely, you've got to say it. Because otherwise, how will they know that you're right? It's a skill I've come to later in life, you know, being able to not say it. I used to really have to say it. Yeah. And then now sometimes I'm like, you know what? Saying it's going to cause me some problems. This is, this is, maybe this is me maturing or maybe it's just having smoked way too much reefer for many years that I finally gotten to the point where I can just <laughs> let things go. But... Mm. uh yeah, I, I mean, like, no, that's that's kind of the central conundrum of of life, and it's the central George Costanza conundrum. Is yeah. like, do you you have to say it, which is how you end up in the parking spot? I think you have to say it. I think you always have to say it. I will mm. never, I will never willingly let anything go. Oh, I know. Believe me, I know. Phoebe and I have known each other for a while, and yeah, <laughs> she's not letting stuff go. That's not true. The other day, I had a very good reason to say I told you so about something, and I didn't say it. No, you just told me that you weren't going to say it. Yeah. Which is the same thing. <laughs> it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's deliberately not saying it. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say it. Yeah. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say I told you so. That's like mm. the opposite of saying I told you so. What the hell are you talking about? Mm. <laughs> okay, so we, cut, so we cut to George and Elaine in the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, George has bought a fancy new cowboy hat and Elaine yeah. has bought a pair of cat's eye sunglasses, which mm. I think she looks amazing in. Yeah. She looks hot as shit. Mm. They've got little diamonds around the corner. They've got the little pointy bits. Like, come on. like this. We love to see it. Ah, ah great. Great yeah. stuff. George in a cowboy hat kind of a vibe. George in a cowboy hat is kind of a vibe. And yeah. he's very happy with his hat. And mm. he tells Elaine that he wishes that he could go around in a hat all the time because like it was like, in the 1930s, like it was like a great period for the bald. Yeah, and he calls the night. Well, she says it was like in you should you should have lived in the 30s because it was like you know, it was it was like every like all the guys wore, wore the hats. She doesn't say all the guys wore the hats, but it's mm. a similar it's a similar vibe. Yeah, she said a sentence that made grammatical sense. Yeah, that made grammatical sense. That was fine. Shut up. And uh, George says, "Oh, it sounds like a bald paradise," but he can't wear a hat all the time now. In case he meets a woman and he has to see her eyes, you know, her mm. eye, do whatever the opposite of lighting up is. George Dimming just loves down. pleasing women, women. Yeah. Her eyes slowly turning off. George is the original simp. Yeah. <laughs> he, like, he eats pussy for like 
half an hour. Like that's mm. that's Costanza's vibe. Yeah, Actually, not well, but he's, exactly not well, but he's dedicated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> disgusting <laughs> slopping and slurping yeah, noises. There's, there's, there's no <laughs> skill there, but there is yeah. enthusiasm. He's wearing a <laughs> tucking in a napkin to eat pussy. <laughs> <laughs> now that's good. Yeah. That's what you want. It's tasty. Actually, uh, getting out a couple of sauces. Actually, we do find out later, uh, much later mm-hmm. on. Spoiler alert! Welcome to Phoebe's spoiler corner. Okay. That he actually hates eating pussy. He doesn't know how to do it. Oh. And he does it wrong. Mm. Mm. Well, okay. you're not right about that, George. No, that's right. Mm. Uh, then Elaine wants to look in the mirror so she can see her see how hot she looks in her new sunglasses. Classic. And he's. Distracted alert, by she her, looks like, great. yeah, exactly. Yeah, obviously, does not spoil it. It's just you know, just say she looks great in every scene, it will mm. still be correct. Uh, and because George needs the mirror, he like he dings the car, and like as they're driving along later, it starts to kind of like it starts to like kind of rattle around, right? Mm. Yeah, you don't you don't use the driver's mirror when you're looking at your sunglasses. You use the you use the passenger mirror, right? I mean, like that's a well, if you don't have a passenger mirror, yeah. What well, if you don't have one? Not every, every car, not every car has one. My old car didn't have one. Really? Mm. I've had a real piece of shit car in my time, and it still had one of those. I yeah, know. I mean, I th- I feel like Jerry's 1992 BMW would definitely have the vanity mirror uh, for the yeah, passenger. Yeah, okay, yeah, like, no, you're probably right. Though it would ruin, though it would ruin the bit, and it's also ex- it, like it's also perfect. For I mean, it's also a perfect bit of character that she uses the center mirror, yeah, to yeah, to course. look at herself. Yeah. Like yeah, that's like characterization. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wouldn't. It wouldn't occur to her to use the vanity mirror because she wants all of the mirrors. Why are you looking behind exactly. you, George? Trying to find other guys? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Pretty suspect. Almost certainly. Mm. Why are you driving away from men? Let me go back to Kramer and Jerry. Yeah, and. Kramer says that he's invited their mutual friend Mike to come and watch a big fight on TV that evening. And Jerry's like, oh, that sounds great. I like Mike. And then Kramer reveals that uh, Mike has one or two things to say about Jerry, but then he refuses to say what it is. Now here, this is bullshit, like TikTok drama behavior from Kramer. I think this is really, really fucking not on. Yeah. You either don't say or you say. You don't. I don't, don't tease that. I don't think you... I think that if someone says something about someone that you like, you keep it to yourself. I, You definitely don't tell them. I think it depends on the relationships between the people involved. But, like, okay, in yeah, general, fine. yeah. Yeah, like... I think if it's someone that you don't like and you're like, huh, you know what that fucker said? No, 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 no. I never, ever want to know. Yeah, but you have anxiety. It's not about anxiety. I just don't want to know. What what value does it have to me to know? How is it going to enrich my oh, life? Oh, because I will exact revenge. That's what that's the value in knowing. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. But I don't want to exact revenge. And add them to the list. I just want everyone on earth to like me. <laughs> that's huh. all I want. <laughs> <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean, okay, I'm of two minds. Of, I'm of two minds about this because, yeah. on the one hand, I would want to know purely because I I just want to know. Like I I like I mm. feel like I have to. Like I'm a junkie. You're a red like, pill guy is what you're saying. Yeah, no, just just shoot it straight into my veins. Yeah. Um, mm. But on the uh, it, but like, I don't know. I'm sensitive to the relationship dynamics involved. Like, do you like who who gets to say where do you draw the line between like what relationship between the the various people involved in your little triumvirate here, mm. uh, like. 
justifies saying repeating something said in confidence where do, where do, like how close does the relationship have to be is like mm. if somebody says something about your best friend are you obligated or what if it's just like a good acquaintance or like your child's kindergarten teacher mm. like where's mm. the like like so i i'm i'm discomforted by the lack of uh of firm rules at play I, like my mm. position is is that if somebody says something to you about someone that you like you defend the person that you like and then you protect the person you like from this information. I mm. never, ever, ever want to know. I don't want to see if there's like a mean post about me. I don't want to know if anyone said anything about my about me behind my back. Uh, if like, like if George was cheating, I don't want to know. Don't tell me. Just don't tell me anything which might upset me in any way. Yeah. That's my rule. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you about rule. mine and George's torrid affair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know about that. Oh, I right, mean, yeah. you know, that's written over across both your faces whenever I see you. Yeah. It's a look of shame. <laughs> <laughs> a, I also really a, enjoyed that... Patrick trying to apply some sort of jurisprudence principles yeah. to Phoebe's theories. <laughs> well, I don't no, think Patrick's that, but, listened to the show before. <laughs> but, but that's coherent. That's a total, but that's a totally coherent point of view. Like, yeah. that's, I mean, it works. I, I, I stand by it. I think, it, mm. I think that's viable. I don't know if it would work for me because I have to know if somebody's mm. saying something, I like, just, I got just tell me. Tell mm. me. I got to know about it. Like if you're going to like make me feel like shit, I need that. Just yeah. just If just I know sh- that there is something that there is something <laughs> then I want to know what it is, but ideally I would like to be protected from yeah. knowing that there is something. Yeah. First of all, who's talking shit about Patrick Wyman? You could you could, could wiretap the T, the TF dare? studio at any moment and you just hear people going like he's just such a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> Wish uh, I was that d- big. So I covered mixed martial arts as a journalist for many years. So I've had people say some of the most horrible things imaginable Mm. to me, mostly having to do with how I picked a fight. Like the Mm. that's I mean, I've just I've had people I've had people tell me to go fuck myself. I've had tell me I've had people tell me that they're going to find me and and uh, and hunt my family down, like just purely on the basis of like who I picked for a fight. So I'm like, that's it's. Yeah. Oh no, they're deep, deeply unbalanced people. Like yeah. the like all Who sports would have fans. That about MMA fans, they're normally yeah, so I, normal, right? Mm. Yeah. I, so like all sports fans are bad. Like every like mm. fans yeah. of every sport are bad. But mixed martial arts fans are like five percent worse. So when mm. you think, which doesn't seem like that much, but when you think about the bottom of the barrel of, yeah. of already existing sports fans, and then you mm. just keep digging down below that, it's that much worse. Uh, yeah. And no, and I got to know all of them. I knew I know all seventeen of those people, and they're they're horrible. Oh, amazing! Did you ever piss off the Chechens? They love um, MMA. Yes. So that I so um I ha- I got into a back and forth with the guy who manages all of the Chechens, a guy named Ali Abdelaziz, uh, mm. who was uh, who falsely claimed to be a judo Olympian from Egypt. Um, among uh-huh. many other things. There's a whole series of stories about this guy. He's a total scumbag. But yeah, no, he got real mad at me. And he blocked me from all of his fighters' accounts, his social media accounts, which uh, which he runs. So I no longer get to follow Khabib Nurmagomedov on uh, on Twitter because he blocked me. Oh. Sad, sad stuff. Yeah. What, what's, uh, the, no. what's the posting of uh, Chechen MMA fighters like? Um, <clears throat> it varies between Ramazan Kadyrov worship and um, <clears throat> and pictures of Mercedes Benzes they've been gifted, and um, then like really, really uh, dour group photos. Oh, if you need that, them, just like, follow se- me. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like uh, it's like seventeen Chechen guys in a in a room crammed around a table, not smiling, when, and one of them is holding like a tea kettle. 
that's and awesome. and you see that picture a thousand times. Ramzan Kadyrov, of course, being the sort of like president for life of Chechnya, who looks like what if you what if you gave uh, Ed Sheeran the Chad the Chad serum, you know? <laughs> what if you gave him just so many steroids it would kill a lesser man? You know what I respect about Ed Sheeran, mm. apart from everything. Yeah, sure, is the shape of him. Yes, first of all, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, and second, it's that he has so steadfastly refused to have any kind of glow up and mm. i i really really respect that about him mm. he doesn't like he doesn't give a shit he must be like think how rich ed sheeran must be oh but he still looks like his hair's been cut with a knife and fork he's still like it was one year where he paid more tax in britain than google and amazon combined oh. <laughs> Com- That's Com- 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 ed sheeran, sheeran. Yeah. <laughs> he also <laughs> pretended that he was there's a lot a, of vat on the Chad serum. He was he he pretended he was going to uh, set up a nature reserve in the grounds mm. of his home, but he was actually just making a swimming pool. Oh, it was, it was getting around planning regulations, yeah, wasn't it? And um, <laughs> and and they sort of uh, sort of showed up and said, "Why is this alleged nature reserve and like nature lake bright turquoise and shaped like a kidney bean?" And he's mm. just like, "Oh yeah, no, no, it's part of it." And he also built a tunnel so that he could get to his local pub without having to speak to any of his neighbors. Oh, solid. That's, that's relatable. That solid. It's repulsive. Yeah. It's repulsive rich person <laughs> behavior. The, under, the underground railroad, but for just getting the pints in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, and I realize it wasn't literally underground. <laughs> he, like, Marilyn Monroe's not down there. <laughs> Uh, Ramzan Kadyrov looks like the platonic ideal of a, a man who's made to beat up people who are tied to a chair. Okay. Like oh, if you yeah. like if you made a guy from the ground up and we're like this guy's whole purpose in life. No, I'd like to see a, I'd like oh, to see a picture of this guy. Okay. Yeah, so he's a, the Kadyrov experience is incredible. Uh, I mean, he's like he's a true one of a kind character. Like what if you took a fail son but then he turned out to not be a fail son? Um, and instead, like an actually effective, brutal dictator, uh-huh. like that's the that's the Kadyrov experience. But okay. he does he's he does things like post photos of himself lifting or post videos of himself lifting weights on Instagram, or like mm. makes an action movie trailer with himself shooting a machine gun. Yeah, um, it's like it's really it's. He also looks like, a bit like Novak Djokovic's wide brother. Yeah, he's a large boy. Yeah. Um, there's an amazing video of him uh, grilling Shashliki with uh, Russian rapper Timothy, and Tip- Timothy <laughs> just looks absolutely terrified throughout. He really reminds me of someone, but I can't think who it is. He shows up in the WikiLeaks cables, because, like in a in a report of a wedding in Dagestan, uh, where he gave the bride and groom just a gold nugget, just a fistful, just a fist sized gold nugget, and then was uh, was spotted dancing with prostitutes with a gun shoved in his pants. Incredible! Like this, awesome. Yeah, and uh, but he's he's also one of the the greatest supporters of like political Islam in the North Caucasus. So you win some, you lose some. <laughs> yeah, he looks like. He looks like the village giant who gets like brought out to fight one of the minor Lord of the Rings characters mm. as like part of their quest. Yeah, mm. like a B plot. He's yeah, a B plot guy. He's a B plot village giant and they like send along their champion and they're like, Okay, mm. so who are you gonna fight? And then like and then like kind of the boulders all go kind of and boom, 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 boom. Out but, comes, out mm. comes the village champion, and it's this guy. Yeah, with a load of shish kebabs. Yeah, 
<laughs> that that I mean that's actually a perfect uh, that's actually a perfect way of understanding Kadyrov because that's the role he plays. Yeah, he's Putin's he, like, B plot. Putin's Putin is Jerry Seinfeld, <laughs> and he and Kadyrov is Kramer. Okay, well he's just bursting in, going like, "Have you ever had a concentration camp for gay people?" Fucking <laughs> um, <laughs> hell, you know. Woof. Uh, okay. <laughs> and Putin's Oof. like, uh, "No, because I have to be slightly more respectable than you." But that's why I keep you around. I see. That's exactly their dynamic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's mm. terrifying. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it turns out we return to this conversation between Kramer mm. and Jerry, where Jerry is saying, "Okay, fine. No, no, no. You got to tell me. You got to tell me." And then Kramer's like, "Ah, you've got to beg me because you made me beg you uh. to tell you to tell me where the car yeah, was." They're doing some role playing. They're doing a little bit of yeah. They're doing a little, little bit of power back exchange. and forth. A little bit yeah. of yeah. A little bit of a dom sub switching. Mm. Um, between <laughs> between Kramer and Jerry, or Kerry and Dreamer, which is what I was about to say. Yeah. Um, Kerry and Dreamer was- is like the the cursed, like upside down universe version of Seinfeld. There is an upside down episode. What's the deal with parking space? <laughs> yeah. Is that, that is Kramer that Kramer doing Jerry. that? Oh, I yeah. see. Okay. Okay. And it ta- it turns out. Dreamer, you ever heard of? (laughs) (laughs) It turns out, no more interjections until you've got your Kramer impression just a little bit Mm -hmm. more fine tuned. It turns out that their mutual friend Mike has been going around calling Jerry a phony. Mm. The worst thing you can be called in nineties America. Well, like if you're a comedian, it's probably not a great thing to be called. All comedians are phony. That's why they became comedians. Yeah, I know, but they don't want to hear that they're phonies. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Would you? How would you feel if someone called you a phony? Um, first of all, I I would wonder what has transpired to send me back in time, uh, <laughs> like to to the point where people are calling other people a phony. Um, that feels like very like Holden Caulfield, you know? Yeah. Um, mm, yeah. Like very. That's that's some real catcher in the rye shit. So that's that's the first thing I would do. The second Patrick thing, though, appearing uh, naked in, in a in a beam of light in a parking <laughs> lot somewhere in rural America. Yeah, just uh, just like uh, like Ar- like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Terminator, yeah. just just showing up and asking for somebody's clothes and, and a shotgun. Yeah, That's and a microphone. The- <laughs> a microphone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I must podcast. This is I must do it. <laughs> this um, is a big event. Yeah. I need to discuss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, if somebody like I I genuinely like I've been called a lot of things, but. A phony? Mm. I I don't know. Like that's that's cutting. That's yeah. hard. Mm. I think that's that, a hard think thing that would to say. Really hurt my feelings. Like if someone mm-hmm. was just like, yeah, like you're like yeah, you're you're a jerk. You're a dirtbag. I'm just like yeah, yeah, no, no. All of these things are true. But like someone's like you're a phony. It's like oh, no, no. I am, because I am I'm genuinely all, I am a piece of shit. About being a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? How dare you call me a phony? Maybe he's not even real. These theories come right off. <laughs> are you are you saying I'm not? The piece of shit I appear to be. <gasps> what? The- <gasps> yeah, no, I'd hate that. Yeah. I'd absolutely hate. Yeah, no, that. that's that's brutal, man. Yeah. Also, really how brutal. '90s is it that like you would have people over to watch a boxing match? Like that's a big mm. piece of '90s nostalgia right there. Like that's not something that happens today. In the people same go, way, people go to each other's houses to watch sport. Do you want to? Do you want to come yeah, over? But, We're going to watch the UFC specific- and send abuse to Patrick Wyman. <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot of people have had a, a wonderful Saturday evening doing exactly that. Uh, 
the but but like specifically a boxing match like there was a period from like 1991 to 1998 where like that was a big deal where like mm. boxing pay-per-views were like a thi- were like a social event that people did and they made huge amounts of money which is like the Mike Tyson Evander Holyfield um yeah. like kind of golden age of it mm. so it's and a great it's night like for this- cannibals also that one also a great night for cannibals like a big cannibal representation he didn't eat um, it he spat it out Oh, it, it's like it was kind of like a cannibal wine tasting. tasting. <laughs> <laughs> he was just giving the tasting notes of Evander yeah. Holyfield's he ear. Just, he just swished. Uh, Evander Holyfield is a spittoon for the ear. So funnily enough, Evander Holyfield is fighting, um, uh, is who is 59 years old, is going to fight uh, a guy named Vitor Belfort, who used to fight in the UFC, and Donald Trump is announcing it. Yes! Uh, no, 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 yes. I know about it's this. It's going to be a beautiful night. And it, on can a- you hear me over there, Evander? I don't think you can, folks. It's very, do, very bad on one side. Do you know when this fight is taking place? What? It's taking place tomorrow. September the 11th. September the 11th. <laughs> <laughs> A royal, a royal box of that fight filled with nineteen Saudi men. Oh my god! Oh nineteen god. empty chairs. It's it's Trump and Trump Junior, right? Who are I, commentating? That's my understanding. Yeah, I want to see them fight. Double act. Is this mm-hmm. Don Junior? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh um, god. And it just it sort of goes to show like what my life has turned into. Three separate people sent me the announcement about this fight <laughs> with Trump commentating. <laughs> and was just like, this feels like something which is in your area of interest. And I was mm. like, How is this my life? How is how have I allowed myself to become this? Mm. You say one thing about me, I'm not a phony. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's great content though. This is the yeah. whatever whatever else you can say about Donald Trump authoritarian, racist, xenophobe, horrible president, awful person. The man knows good content when he sees it. Absolutely. And for That's that- true. I, I thank Mr. <laughs> Wyman for his comments. I really do. A man of taste. And he's here tonight. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Mr. President, Mr. welcome president. to the show. Do you think we could get Trump? Probably, yeah. His I, audio would I, suck, but- his, He'd be recording it on his phone. Yeah. He, he'd refuse to wear earphones, but I oh, bet yeah. we could. Should write to his publicist. Mm. Anyway, um, so uh, so yeah, and then Kramer says, "Well, you can't say anything." And Jerry's like, "But he's going to be in my house. How am I not going to say anything?" Uh, and then we return to George and Elaine, mm. uh, and George is talking. Actually, he's kind of giving an exegesis. Let's be honest here; it's an exegesis mm. uh, about what a brilliant driver he is and what a brilliant Parker he is. Yeah, and he's. And he is very, very, he's very, very keen to find a, a good parking space. And Elaine says, oh, my God, like, can we just please just put it in, in, a, in a garage? And George says, no, I can't pay which, for parking. Which doesn't make sense because it's Jerry's car that they're returning to Jerry. So they have to park it where Jerry normally parks it. They can't well, just put it anywhere. Well, not like, The, 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 the idea the is key. that there are no parking restrictions. So you, so you just can't get a parking spot. That's the whole point in the episode. That it's hard to get a parking spot. Hmm. Did you not understand the episode? No, I did understand that, but as in, like, you can't just, like, go, because then it wouldn't be them paying for the parking, it'd be Jerry. So then you're sort of obligated to find her. If it was in a free parking spot that you took it out of and you're borrowing the car. Well, that's not George's objection. I think that's poor car etiquette to go and put it in a parking garage and be like, oh, by the way, Jerry. Okay, fair We've obligated you to pay for this. Okay, fine. What if it's a pay up up front parking garage, though? Yeah. So it's not like you pay on exit, you pay on entrance and it's a flat fee and you can stay there, you know, 15 bucks for however long. Precisely. That's that's a good point. Yeah, but then that's obligating Jerry to move his car. 
What? After a certain amount of time. If it's a pay up front. If it's at your house, you might not be using the car. You know? You might be might keep the car there for a while. I you guys have not followed this through. You know you see, you know, you know. As a as a city driver, I think these things through, you know. Okay. I've been in this situation. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> as it happens, as it happens, this is not George's objection. No. George's objection is on the idea of, of paying for parking. And he says he has, a sim- he has a system, which is you identify the perfect spot and then you work work at work outwards in sort of concentric circles. Yeah, it's which a solid is, system. It's a solid system. It's yeah. a system that I used to use. Mm. And it's a good we system. We call it the Costanza method. We call it the Costanza method. It's a wonderful method of yeah. parking. It's very good. I was very, uh, I had uh, terrific parking anxiety when I used to drive. Um, terrific parking anxiety. I had terrific parking anxiety. I like Some of the best. I was a very good parker. Mm. I was great at it. But I was always very, very worried about the idea of there not being anywhere to park. Mm. Yeah. Um, this was something that like it something that like really really bothered me. Mm. Uh, that's not an interesting. That's not an interesting no. anecdote. However, it is oh. a little piece of a uh, little piece of the puzzle for the listeners at home who are putting together yeah. the little Phoebe Law compendiums. Mm. Phoebe's Law. And one of them is um, I'm always very worried that there's not going to be anywhere to park. Yeah, yeah. I- I'm worried about like whether or not there is going to be anywhere to get snacks and whether or not there's going to be anywhere to park. Those are the yeah. two things that like that 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 worry me. And the two are not always near each other. Yeah. Duality of man. Yeah, that's the problem. Um so while George is like going on and on and on about his method of parking mm. and how he will never ever pay for parking because it's like because it's like seeing a prostitute because if you can because it's a sort of thing that you know why pay for it because if, you apply, if you apply yourself, yourself yeah. maybe you can get it for free, which is a good line. It's I, a, and like, I agree with him about that line. about parking. I resent paying for parking. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, like a land, it's like a more pathetic version of a landlord owning a parking garage. <laughs> like you're a wannabe landlord. You're a wannabe landlord. You're yeah. a landlord of the cars. Uh, and while he's doing that, he's saying like, okay, so there's a perfect spot. It's in front of Jerry's building. Mm. Watch this. You're about to see a perfect parallel park. Mm. And he's been spending so much time going on about his theory of parking that another car has begun to nose into the space. Forwards. Head First, can't parallel park that way. Can't parallel park that way. It's bullshit. If it's two, a very, very long space, maybe the two men get out. Yeah, if it's a, eh, if it's even, on the end and you're approaching it from a distance, sure you yeah, can do no, that. Okay, but fine. You've got to have a. You've got to have some serious running on that. Yeah, like, it's fun when you get a chance to do it. You like, know, I'll, like I'll like I'll do the head first park on occasion. If anything, it's sort of quite enjoyable. It's like a kind of. Uh, it's like a, it's like a kind of the, the sort of treat which is which is like rendered not good by having it too often. It's like a very yeah. rich dessert. So when you get wanked off, you know, just every now and then, <laughs> you're like, ah, oh, this is uh, this is a change. It's like when you get wanked <laughs> off, it's not something you do much as an adult, you know, like, but occasionally, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could just getting just the, fingered, you know. I, like I wish I could not no sex afterwards, just fingering. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like you wouldn't want it every time, but every now and then you're like, ah, oh. you know. Are you? Are you like us? Are you? Oh, this has been a change. I, you know. Hmm. Hmm. 
Okay. Progressively, uh, Patrick can't be with us for very long, so yeah. we cannot dive into that any further. No, we can't, but I'd it, very, unfortunately. I'd very much like to, on another occasion... Yeah. Have. Getting Patrick back for an hour just on that, <laughs> just yeah. just to, just to talk about the just just to talk about a hand job yeah. and the yeah. and the benefits there, the potential benefits thereof. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the so, health benefits, the psychological benefits. So Patrick, if you'd like to uh, like to return to the uh, to the uh, hand job please, cast, please pencil, that would please be, pencil me pencil in. Let's just let's anyway. let's schedule a solid sixty five minutes just for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so the guy who has tried mm. to nose into the space head first. Turns out to be Mike, mm. the guy who called Jerry a phony. And meanwhile, so we're immediately on Jerry's side. We're this guy's the kind, the kind of absolute fucking... nonce who would try and drive into this parking space headfirst when someone's clearly trying to. Yeah, I got, into I got, it. I got, I got no, t- I got no yeah. time for Mike. He's got, I, 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 I don't like the bald hair and head and moustache situation he's got mm. going on. I don't think that's a good look. He looks yeah. like a kind of miniature Charles Bronson. Mm. Which yeah. is not a good vibe. He looks a bit like actually is he being played by David Cross? That's just I a thought that as well. I thought that as well, and I went and I checked it on IMDb, and it is not David Cross. No, no it's absolutely not David Cross. It is a little bit like David Cross. No, it does no, look no, a bit. no, it does. This, this guy is uh, is is quite dinky, and David Cross is quite tall. Really? Oh. Yeah. Well, there you go. I did not know that. Really? I always thought of him oh. as kind of a like a like a a waifish fella. No, I would really? I would put David Cross at what six one? Wow. Well, there you go. I buy it, sure. But yeah, stealing a parking space is a is a heinous crime. It is, yeah. No, I have no, no, a story no. about this. When we were moving the trash future office from a place up the road from here, I had a van. We had lots of stuff to get out. There's no parking spaces. I go and park the van in a loading bay that's like a couple of streets away. We walk back to the office and one of the like pay-by-the-hour parking bays that's right opposite our door has become available. So I get Riley and Hussein to stand in the space and hold it yeah, good plan. While, I, while I go and get the van. I've been gone literally 90 seconds. Like I had to walk like 40 seconds and drive the van around, right? And I come back and there's a guy in a Honda Civic trying to reverse into the space. And they're stood there going like, no. And he's like, get out of the way, I'm reversing into the space. And they're like, well, no, that's why we've stood here, so you don't reverse into the space, so we're not going to do that. And they're like, we have a van. And he's like saying, like, fuck off, I'm parking there. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe once he sees the van, this guy's going to understand, you know. So I get out of the van. I'm blocking the entire street. I walk over and I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry, it's clearly been a bit outstanding. We need to park this van here because it's like opposite our door. And he goes, no, I'm having that space. I saw it first. And I'm like, well, you didn't see it first. That's why they're stood there. Um, and uh, And then... <laughs> He like continues to push the issue, so I so I just like lose my rags. I'm just like I'm driving this van in central London. It's like hot. Um, I'm trying to move offices, um, and I'm like, for fuck's sake, there's only one outcome, which is that I'm parking this van in this space. And then he gets out of the car, but he was five foot five, mm. so it's just like him like looking up at me. And then he says, "You don't know what you're, what I can do." <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> my guy, it's a fucking parking space. Um, and then just suddenly I just found myself going, what you can do is get back in your fucking car. And he drove off. And Riley and Hussein were like, how did you do that? And I was like, I get mad about parking. Yeah, correct. Yeah. There yeah, are very okay. few things in life worth getting mad at and parking is one of them. Mm. Yeah, I, as a, I, a, I lived in Los Angeles for 15 years. So I'll, get, I'll fight you for a spot. Absolutely, mm. no question. Yeah. Like there's, uh, especially because the last nine or so years I lived in Los Angeles, I drove a very large truck, which meant mm. that my parking options were already incredibly restricted because of the just absurd size of this vehicle. So like 
there, if, there's nothing more heinous in a crowded spot than taking somebody's parking spot. It's like mm. it's the most fundamental violation of the social contract of living in a big city, which is just like sometimes you're going to have to let stuff go. It's OK. Move on. There will be another one. It's all right. Like you don't like just honor the person that was there first. That's mm. all you have to do. That's if you do that, like 90 percent of the annoyances of living in a big city go away. Right. Like mm. just just a little a basic level of human compassion and kindness that yeah. manifested by like should crush you for that kind of infarction. You know? Exactly. Yeah. That's like that's that's I find myself wanting a Singapore style surveillance state only mm. at moments when a parking spot gets stolen. <laughs> <laughs> that's, basi- yeah, that's basically that's basically there the should only be time. prisons. But if parking there were swap. prisons. Yeah. Only, only be cops should be the parking people. cops. Yeah, that's right. That's correct. Mm. All mm. cops are bastards apart. From the parking cops, mm. who were angels and comrades. There you go. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah, it's 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 bullshit. It's bullshit behavior. Costanza is completely right here. Then, uh, meanwhile, everyone else is everyone else is like getting involved and like there are strangers like taking sides. Yeah. And so George sends Elaine upstairs. The big Apple baby. The big Apple baby. Oh, everyone's got it's a fucking opinion over here. Um. So George sends Elaine upstairs to explain to Jerry what happened to the car and why it's making a clanging noise. And Elaine comes up with this whole insane story about how they got like, like chased and attacked by like a gang of teenagers with a gun. Mm. Uh, And then at the end of this like ridiculous, like ridiculous kind of hysterical story, she says like, Oh, yeah, and also, like, now your car's making a kind of clanking sound. Yeah. Well, this part is also weird because it's like we hit a pothole and now the car is having, like, a mechanical issue, which, like, first of all, hitting a pothole is something that just happens. That's not even really driver error. That's just, like, that can just happen to you when the roads suck. And B, like, it sounds like they're having a mechanical problem, not a the wheel has fallen off problem. Yeah. So it sounds like Jerry just needs a service. (sighs) So I don't know why they're even worried about this. Welcome to uh, car maintenance hour with Milo Edwards. (laughs) If you, but if you live in Manhattan, getting taking your car to get serviced is like a capital T thing, right? Like that's not because the you you don't just like pop around the corner to the car mm. repair place. Like you've got like that becomes an mm. outing. That's like a yeah, whole yeah, yeah. day, yeah. where you've got to where that becomes a thing that you have to deal with. It's not just like oh yeah okay, there's a little something wrong. Like mm. where I live now, there's like six auto repair places and within a mile of here. In Los Angeles, that would have taken me. That would have been like a whole Sunday afternoon. I would have been mad. There would have been yelling. Probably mm. would have cried. Like, yeah. but yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. You get to the garage and it's like a UFC fan who runs the place. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> somebody, somebody who had, yeah, somebody who has given you the finger before. Mm. Like, this is it's the concern. Yeah. So Jerry, so so Jerry is like so worried about them that he gives Elaine a rare hug. And you very, very rarely see anyone hugging Seinfeld. And in Mm. fact, that is like famously was Larry David's plan for Seinfeld. Like he wanted it to be like a kind of anti-sitcom. And he and like and this quote Mm. is and no one hugs and no one learns. Mm. But here we have a hug. Mm. Just thought I flagged that up. Yeah. Anyway, so so George and Mike, so George Seinfeld and Mike, in that respect, is a British sitcom. <laughs> so George and Mike are still <laughs> like they're still like kind of duking it out. Jerry comes yeah. downstairs. 
Um, then like George is, and George finds out that like Mike is here to see Jerry and he's here to see the fight. Uh, Jerry knows that Mike calls him a phony, so he like tries to do like a particularly annoying bit on him, like mm. as a kind like in, I, I don't know, in order to like rile him up and to get him to actually call him a phony to his face or something. I don't know. Yeah, he tries to come up with an unconvincing thing about him using phony as a compliment, and then Jerry's like, use it yeah. in a sentence. Yeah. Well, this yeah, this is this is after he like reveals that. Kramer that Kramer told him. But this is the other thing is you don't bring it up directly. If you're going to no. exact revenge on someone, what you do is is you you know it is a dish best served cold. It's a yeah, but like but it's like a cliche, Mike but it's asks true. for it by like exaggeratedly laughing at Jerry's weak bit and etc. And mm. Kramer's annoyed at George and Elaine for not inviting them to the inviting him to the flea market, mm. and it sort of t- it, it it gets a little bit kind of Edwardian fast yeah. with like you. People are kind of coming in and out of screen doors and yelling at each other. You kind of expect a kind of vicar to show up at some point. Yeah. Yeah, the parking uh, the vicar. Vi- yeah, the vicar in this case played by the uh, mother of the small child that Jerry reveals yes. that his fa- that his father's <laughs> store is going out of business. <laughs> yeah. uh, which is just like, it puts a perfect cap on the episode where yeah. like, n- again, nobody learns. Like yeah, it's all just... Like, yeah. And and it's all horrible, it, yeah. which is fantastic. Yeah. Like yeah. that's, I mean, that's the, exactly like, the way it's yeah, supposed to be. The whole, yeah, the whole point of this is that Jerry cannot show good judgment, and no, he gets accused of not showing good judgment in telling in telling Kramer that uh, George and Elaine went to the flea market without him, and then and he's like, no, I've got good judgment. And then the very next thing he does is tell this little child that his dad is going out of business and Kramer has a go at him for showing no judgment in telling this child this and then exercises uh, even less judgment by congratulating the mother of this child for being pregnant when she is not pregnant, which again, very 90s. This is very a 90s sitcom, a 20. Uh, 2010s or 20 Such a now. Anxiety. 2020s sitcom is very much you do not comment on women's bodies just full stop which is fine yeah. i think that's okay that the the culture has moved to a don't comment on women's bodies i think that's fine yeah phoebe's looking me dead in the eye here almost <laughs> daring me <laughs> um and i'm not well, gonna rise to the bait yeah i mean the it's impossible to overstate how in 90s sitcoms that was like low hanging fruit that was mm. that was used really horribly. Right. Like it was like commenting on women's bodies was like a constant, continuous form of of humor that was employed in those shows, like to fill space. It was just mm. awful. Like like Frasier did whole Frasier did whole like plot lines about it. Oh, yeah. And mm. like it was like it was bad. It was just like. Yeah, I don't think we're we're not missing anything from the comedy discourse by doing. No, I think that's probably I no. think that's probably right. But Although, of course, in yeah. Britain, we still have you know like Mrs. Brown's Boys, where Mrs. Brown is horribly oversexualized. Um, it's it's all it's all for the male gaze, really. That it, show it is, yeah, it is. Mm. It's a uh, toxic masculinity writ large. Yeah. It's Mrs. Brown's Boys. I mean, mm. it's right in there in the title, Mrs. Brown's Boys. Why are they boys? Yeah. Why? Why must they be boys? They're a fighting age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, send them off. Why send, don't they do something with their Mrs. life? Send Mrs. Brown's boys off to the front. The Mrs. Brown's that's boys the, regiment. That's the position of this podcast. We Conscript close with the, the Mrs. Brown's boys. That's right. It's the Irish Defence Force. That's right. Um, um, it's an unfortunate also <laughs> IDF acronym for an army that does orders of magnitude less war crimes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so yeah, so Mike, yeah, Mike tries to persuade Jerry that being a phony is a good thing, mm. and then the episode finishes up with two police officers showing up, saying these cars are blocking the street. You got to move these cars, and then it turns out that these two police officers each have very different, much like everyone else in the episode, has a very different, very different view yeah. of what constitutes correct parking. And it's very much set up as... It's also a, a white and a black cop, as though like, is, Seinfeld's yeah. really trying to do discourse here. Yeah, there's some discourse yeah. going on here. But it's definitely it's definitely the case that the episode is saying there are two types of people in the world. There are people who think that it is acceptable to go headfirst into space and people who do not. There's a little... The two th- genders. There's a little tiny subplot there where a woman shows up who like defends George and uh, says that you can't go headfirst into a space and uh, he's getting on well with the woman, and then Newman shows up and tries to try on George's new hat, and he won't let him take it, and this woman who otherwise he might have struck up some kind of rapport with is like, what's wrong with you? Why won't you let your friend wear your hat? And that's just a nice little callback. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, and we close with a bit. And we close, as ever, a classic bit. Seinfeld bit. Classic a Seinfeld complaint bit. about the state of society about in 1992. state of society. I think this is not, I think the opening bit section of this bit is a bit weak where he says, ah, well, there are more cars in Manhattan than there are parking spaces and everyone's just driving around looking for a space. But then he goes, he goes a little bit off piste and a little Mm. bit Baroque. And I think the second bit is actually pretty funny which is he says that car manufacturers should stop selling cars and they should sell the most luxury commodity of all. They should sell a space. And he is Mm. predicting uh, platform-based landlord capitalism. And I think that's pretty impressive for 1993 or whenever this was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Jerry Seinfeld, many things, not an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. New from Chrysler, a space. Yeah, but they can't <laughs> guarantee you who's going to be parking next year. And if it's the guy with the fucking Lincoln Continental, you're up shit creek. It's true. Some people so, are between a rock and a hard place. I'm between that guy and a brick wall. <laughs> Though at this point, the Lincoln, Lincoln Continentals, which were mostly so poorly built that they are no longer on the roads, much less of a concern. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I, I thought I was safe. Do you know what? In a parking lot just off Brick Lane in London, I thought the odds of parking next to a like 1984 Lincoln Continental, pretty low. But the monkey's poor fucking curled on me. <laughs> yeah. The only thing. Falling between, into a fist. The only thing between <laughs> me and the Turkish Mafia is uh, one single parking space. It's a kind of buffer zone. Mm. Yeah, or as I call them to wind them up, the Greek mafia. (laughs) Unforgivable. Yeah, Uh, we do have to let Greek delight. We do have to (laughs) let. uh, (laughs) We do have to let our our wonderful guest Patrick go because uh, he is on a. he's on. He's got to go and fight uh, Ramzan Kadyrov. That's uh, right. Belt. Um, That's correct. It's a Dior belt. Uh, um, if you so, if you'd like to uh, sign up to the ten dollar tier on our Patreon, uh, you can hear Milo expounding his views on Cyprus. So that's something to be looking out yeah, for. Cyprus and also hand jobs, uh, where Patrick will be going <laughs> yeah. back on. Yeah. So we'll have a Cyprus yeah. episode. We'll have a hand job episode. I cannot confirm whether or not yeah. they are at the same time. Well, that's what the war in Cyprus was about. It was about you know the hand job discourse. Mm-hmm. Patrick, thank you so much. Because the Greeks call it a Greek job. <laughs> um, 
Is Thank you guys so like much for having me. <laughs> is there anything I'd like to plug? No, uh, no, just well, just hand jobs, just hand jobs, just hand jobs. <laughs> Except, of course, uh, of course, in Greek, it's an and job with a little mark. Breathing, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you all so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure to watch some Seinfeld and talk about it with you. I had forgotten how much I loved this show. Thank you for having me. Pleasure and a delight. Pleasure. Yeah, you should check. You should check Patrick out online and uh, check out Tides of History as well, Patrick's podcast, which is oh a lot yeah, of fun. I, for- I forgot that's a that's a thing I do. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, you'll learn a lot about uh, you know ancient history, uh, modern history, as they call it in Oxford, and also hand jobs. That's right. Hand, jo- yeah. the hand jobs are a, a continual topic of conversation. Hand jobs are the engine <laughs> of history. Fair, if you want to read Plato's <laughs> Symposium, you're going to learn a lot about things of that nature. Um, <laughs> All right, and uh, we will see you next week on the bonus feed or the week after that on the free feed. Catch you later. Bye-bye. Bye.